0: Hello and good day fellow sheroes. We are here today with Aligra Taylor with Kindred Roots Counseling here in Okotoks. She is a pillar in our community. She also obviously is a therapist and is helping Many of us who are in need of that at this time and any time, and uh, we're going to talk to her about her journey into shiroism or <laughs> entrepreneurship, if you will. Uh, it's been quite the journey. I've had some conversations with her prior to this, so I'm just uh, really excited to talk to her about what she's able to offer the community and what she's able to offer uh, in terms of advice and direction for our fellow shiros. So. Hi there, Allegra. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. It's it's a good day.
1: Good. That's what we like to start with a good day.
0: <laughs> and you know the weather's been kind of nice this week, so I'm I'm feeling a little uplifted in that regard. But it's supposed to get cold again next week, so I'm just hoping that, oh, that doesn't don't happen. See, I know, right? I was like, but <laughs> really
1: hopeful. I was like, is this like fall spring, or can we actually get excited to like? sit outside and get some sunshine you know
0: I just do that anyways if if it's like February and it's a great day I'm like I'm going outside
1: Yeah, put on your bathing suit and sit outside and get some sun. whatever we're doing the best we can
0: (laughs) well and it seems like I know we're in Alberta and we have that fake spring and all those weird things that happen through these cold months but I feel like that's changed a little bit over the last couple years and we're not I don't really know what to expect
1: I know. I agree. It's always funny. Like my husband's birthday is in April and we've had years in April where he has had like a outdoor barbecue like we're sitting outside in shorts and like playing lawn games and then we've had other years for his birthday where there's like eight feet of snow still outside and it's like blizzarding and i feel like it's the most alberta experience to be like (laughs) i don't know when i'm supposed to expect some sort of season change i'm just going with it let's not make a plan
0: let's not make a plan until like the day before and we'll see what the weather's like like. seriously honestly that's
1: okay (laughs) we're all used to it if you were like born and raised here at least it's like normal i always feel bad for people who come here later from like places that are always warm i'm like oh have fun
0: yeah right yeah exactly I kind of want to go to a place that's warm right now, but anyways. Take me. (laughs) Oh, I would. Absolutely. I put you in my suitcase. Off we go. Perfect. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about your, we'll talk about all kinds of things here, but I want to talk about your kind of journey, what led you into female entrepreneurship. Uh, Feel free Hmm. to talk about your business and what you offer. And I think what you're doing, I've reviewed the website and, and I've talked to you a few times, and I, I just think that what you're doing is so important for everybody. But I, of course, entrepreneurs, right? Because we're all facing struggles right now. Business owners, whether you're small business or a big, larger business, it, things are rough right now. Yeah, and things have been rough for the last few years. So the ah. mental health and self care aspect is really coming into focus. So I'm I'm sure you can talk about that and offer some solutions or advice oh, yeah. or whatever you want to do so
1: 100% yeah okay take so it away. this is awesome this is kind of like a convoluted long story so break it up and jump in if it makes it easier for you too but, absolutely um, so long story short it all started um, right out of I'm uh, not actually out of high school I was in high school and um, taking care of my grandma she had been diagnosed with a type of Um, dementia called vascular dementia, where she was deteriorating quite quickly. She had lived with my parents and my brother and I really our entire lives. And um, we had never wanted to place her in care or do anything um, that wasn't involving us taking care of her. And it became a full-time job and was a lot for my mom specifically to do. So I Did what I had to do to graduate early from high school. I took courses online that I could and just like powered through it and then was staying home uh, caregiving full time. And in that period, I think I was 17 years old and realizing just how flawed our healthcare system was and the lack of support that existed for family caregivers and just so many gaps that I was flabbergasted by. And I thought like, I'm going to change the system. The system is so flawed, like I could fix it. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, so came my like time to decide what I wanted to study in school, and um, ultimately decided that social work was going to be the route I would take. And I spent the next four years just studying all things healthcare, um, geriatric, old age care, like family caregiving, family stress, roles in families, um, and I found very quickly that there wasn't a large community of people who were super, super interested in studying aging, shockingly. Um, (laughs) But why? I don't understand. (laughs) I know. What do you mean? It's so sexy. I don't don't get it. Uh, um, But it was interesting because I was so young and I was so interested that when I did meet people in that community, they were like, why are you here? And I found it like shocking how little people actually paid attention to issues of aging and like how much work existed in that area and so I became like a massive advocate for uh, geriatric education programming research and you know before I was I think like even 22 I had like published studies on this I had started um, you know groups at the university I was doing research assistant work and all up in it long Part of this being I truly believed I would be a geriatric social worker for the rest of my life. That was 100% what I thought. Okay. And so I'm, you know, doing everything I think is my passion. And I uh, finish my bachelor's degree. I start my master's degree and I do a thesis on uh, family caregiving. And in that I studied Uh, people who had come to Canada from other countries that had completely other expectations about what it looked like to take take care of a family member when they're ill. Okay. And how the Canadian system was supporting them. And I just found that I loved having conversations with people and just being supportive. Um, And then I was like, Oh crap, I got to do the research side of this now. So did my interviews, wrote it all out, finished my master's degree. And then thought I got my dream job. I um, got a job with Alberta Health Services. I had a permanent position working in inpatient neurology. I was working with a ton of families and people with uh, deterioration in aging, dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, uh, MS, ALS, like you name it. I was working in some area. Um, and on paper, it should have been everything I ever wanted. And I was miserable. I just wasn't happy. I felt unfulfilled. Every day felt tedious. I felt like I wasn't using my potential to challenge myself. I missed being a student where I could advocate for change and do things my way and kind of like speak a larger truth. And I just felt like what I wanted out of my life wasn't aligning with what I was doing, even though on paper, it totally should have.
0: Oh, amen and, to that.
1: oh it just, it just wasn't working. And you know, One thing about when you study social work is uh, there's no part in there that goes like, hey, this is how you start a business, and this is what you uh, deserve to be paid for your time, and this is how you can be an entrepreneur uh, or entrepreneur. Why can't I say this? Entrepreneur. (laughs) Thank you. We're here. (laughs) Hello. Um, It's a a challenging (laughs) one. God, like today is not my day. Um, Yeah, it's like, it's not like, hey, this is how you can be an entrepreneur with a social work degree. Like, it's just not that in fact they teach you very much the opposite which is like everyone deserves equal access to care we should not be overcharging for our services like it is your professional duty to ensure that no matter what walk of life people are coming from that they can get the same level of care as someone who has money to afford services and so the thought of transitioning into a world where i would be opening a business asking people to pay me was like critically uncomfortable felt a little but, foreign to you i would say <laughs> totally it was like this is not i don't know what i'm doing but i thought i got nothing to lose like why not let's look into it so i had all of my credentials the only thing that i didn't know what to do is like how to start a business and i luckily had a family member who had already started a business in the background and i literally just picked up the phone and was like hi what is a business <laughs> what, <laughs> what does one do um i'm like is there such thing as registration? Like, what are taxes? Um, they were like, are you going to do a sole proprietorship or a corporation? I was like, well, can you explain what that means? What like, the I heck? Had yeah,
0: yeah that clue. is one of the worst questions. And if you don't know, you're like, I, no idea. Right?
1: right? It's not And we don't even learn these things, like, even in grade school. This isn't like, hey, this is how business works. Like, you really, unless you're studying business or you're really interested in something business-related, you're not going to get this, like, base knowledge Correct. at all. Yep. And so it was so scary, but I was like, okay, just walk me through it. And I decided I was going to open a counseling business, but totally imposter syndrome around this. Like what do I have to offer that all of these other therapists out there aren't already offering? Mm -hmm. Um, What makes me think that I have anything to offer that people would pay for? Um, And so the only thing I started out, offering was okay, I'm just gonna tell everyone that I'm only a geriatric therapist and I help family caregivers and I only do things related to aging and I was so scared to like put out a website that really showed my personality and you know, I remember my first photo shoot for my website where I was like, What does a therapist wear? And I like, <laughs> went to the mall and I'm like, I gotta get button down shirts. And like, do I wear loafers? Like, I don't know. Like, what do, <laughs> how do people take a therapist seriously? I just literally felt like I was like putting on a mask of like, this is what I think I'm supposed to be doing. Yep. Launched my website, started my business, spent a year, got zero clients. <laughs> Oh, wow. a year? Hey, okay. Zero. Okay. Zero in a year. And I was like, okay, well, for one, I still kept my other job. So I was like, you know what? I'm still making money. It's okay. Um, two, maybe this isn't for me. Three, you know, maybe there's just not a huge market of senior citizens that are super comfortable getting on the computer and accepting virtual therapy. I don't know. Not only am I dealing with like the um, generational. Gap of folks in that age range that don't really believe in mental health support, but also technology was not on my side.
0: Right, that, there's really two challenges there, right? The, the exactly, yeah, the belief that mental health you should deal with it internally, I suppose, would be a good. That's what I understand from that generation, anyways. One
1: hundred percent. Yeah, and then the, and deal with it. Yeah,
0: and then the resistance to technology too. That's that's like a twofold issue, right? Oh, <laughs> right in your face, right to start it. off.
1: Which, again, it's it's a business knowledge thing, right? Like, if if you are coming into starting a business with any idea of what starting a business should entail, you would think about your ideal client and what's going to work for them and what's not going to work for them and barriers to service. But, like, again, no insight in this just means, like, you know, throw spaghetti at a wall and hope something sticks. (laughs) Um, And in my case, it didn't stick. And that was honestly probably one of the best things that ever happened, though, because I had kind of been, like, I'm just gonna give up and I got this email from someone and they were like um hey my teenage daughter really wants to talk to someone and we found your profile online and I know that you don't do this area but I've been trying to get her to talk to someone for months and she just randomly picked you and would you please just try it
0: oh wow that's (laughs) interesting
1: right I was like um okay you know, like, why, why not? Why Mm -hmm. not? And I was totally transparent with them. You know, I'm not sure that's going to be a good fit, but like, let's try it. And I started talking to this, this client and we clicked and I was talking to her just about coming of age issues and managing anxiety and self-criticism and fear for the future and, you know, managing boundaries with friends and family. And I was like, I actually really like this. Maybe I need to give myself more credit for what I'm able to offer. And so I just started opening the door to a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And, you know, every time I saw a client that I thought was not going to think that I was useful and we did good work, I would start advertising that area of work until all of a sudden year two, I've got a caseload. I've got a real caseload here. I'm like, okay, I think what I needed to do was be more open-minded about not the type of client that I wanted, but the type of client I actually had the ability to serve. Ah. And it was less about them and more about me and believing that I had something worth selling. Right. And then year three, I just dove deeper into it and started to kind of find my own voice in it and realize that the more authentic I was as a person and the less scared I was to be a quote unquote appropriate therapist, the more I connected to clients, the more clients connected to me, the better the work was. And ultimately just kind of had this epiphany of like, I don't really want to do therapy the way that it's always been because that's not who I am. I want to be me who just happens to be a therapist. And if people connect to that, that's the work I want to do. And just transitioned my entire business now, the model being human first. Like, I don't care what you come to me with. I don't care if it's an issue with parenting. I don't care if it's an issue with trauma. I don't care if it's an issue with anxiety. I don't care if it's an issue of, you know, boundary setting. I want you to come to me because you feel like we connect on a human level and we are able to help you get back on track with the life that you want. And ultimately you're going to get to know who I am as a person. I'm not going to pretend to like stonewall you and pretend I don't have a personality. Cause that's not fair to you. Mm-hmm. And you are going to feel comfortable getting to have me in your life as someone who is an important factor in your life. And in that relationship is where we're going to do amazing work. And I feel like once there was an authentic understanding of that, everything just snowballed and became what it is today. So that is yeah when I say it's a long story it's a long story
0: <laughs> it um, usually is the journey from you know in being an employee into entrepreneurship or however you got there however you climbed that yeah climbed that hill it's it's a, always an interesting story and everybody has a different story so that's why I, I love doing this podcast because oh so many I think I know so a person awesome. and I'll be like oh yeah come on let's have a chat and then I'll find out like 50 other things that I didn't know about them as we're having this talk and I'm like what
1: are you right what <laughs>
0: I did not know that about you. That is
1: my full-time job. Like, imagine that I get to sit in a room with people who come to me and say, oh, this is just what I want to talk to you about. And within three minutes, we are, like, like, waves away from that, talking about something else. And, like, part of why I love therapy so much is because it's just people getting to know people without any bullshit. There's no, you know, covering what you think I want to hear, what I don't want to hear. There's no filtering yourself it's like I get a front row seat to the real authentic thoughts and feelings of people and that is the coolest part of therapy
0: yeah I would imagine it would be I I love that you mentioned and touched on the the traditional way of therapy I guess you I don't mm-hmm. I don't think you use that word but
1: yeah because I've yeah. been
0: working with in the youth sector as part of the things that I do in my community and we have found we're We've developed a a youth program, and what we have found is that we're hitting walls and red tape because of that mindset that it has to be, you know, X, Y, Z, one, two, three, black and white. And we're going, "Mm, okay, I get it. Like, I'm not, I don't, I do understand that the master's degrees and the education surrounding helping people is very important. That part I understand what I don't understand really is that how life experience has a place in those things as well. Right. And that's what people can relate to. Yes. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's like a massive thing is when we talk about, you know, traditional therapy, traditional support programs. um, for a lot of us that went to school, whether it be psychology, uh, you know, clinical counseling, social work, whatever, one of the like main things that they drill into you is not self disclosing. It's like a scary, ominous thought of like, you can't self disclose because you have to not blur the lines between therapeutic relationship and a different type of relationship. And the boundaries of that relationship mean that you have to remain professional and not show any of yourself. And reality is that people have the ability to Google what is going on with them or read a book about their feelings. And I don't know about you, but I am a pretty stubborn person. And if (laughs) I need advice from someone and I don't feel like they've gone through what I'm going through, I'm not going to take a single thing they say to heart. I'm like, you
0: don't have a frigging clue what I'm going (laughs) through. Exactly. Yep.
1: Right. Yep. And I would rather talk to a therapist. Uh, a support person, a community center who says to me, I have been in your shoes and I know exactly how it feels. And this is what worked for me and what didn't work for me. Do you feel like I am hearing you? And if they're like, yes, okay. What do you feel like is the next best thing that you can do? What is getting in the way of you doing what you believe is right? do you just feel completely lost in it? And you're like, please just throw me a bone. Like what am I supposed to do here? Yeah. Because as soon as people feel heard, they're listening. Yes. It's, it's, you can't expect to get, if you're not giving. And I don't understand why we are not growing as a society in the same way that people are growing in just being more transparent and open in relationship. That's this is evolution. This is just how things change. Yeah,
0: Exactly. Yeah, I can relate to that 100%. And I feel like that human element, now, again, going back to the education piece and what the the education piece is very important. And mm-hmm. those things that they learn are, are very important as well around privacy and and things like that. However, yeah. because we are where we are in our climate, if you will, I'm doing air quotes there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. things have been rough these last few years, right? And I feel like that human element, that compassion piece and that connection piece are really where it's starting to be at. They want to know that you get where you're coming from, where they're uh-huh. coming from rather. So, yeah. That that connection I feel is going to make that therapy a lot more uh impactful, if you will, if that's the word that I'm looking for. If they feel yeah. like they have a connection for, with you and they can have a conversation with you like they would with somebody that they know better than you, I feel like you're going to get further with that. That may be an unpopular opinion, but it's my opinion.
1: Yeah. And I'm with you. And you know what? This is something that I think is totally fair. And I actually am happy that you brought that up because there will always be traditional therapists out there and there's a spot for them. I'm not saying that they are doing bad work. It's just that they are going to connect with a client that I am not going to connect with. There are people out there that still want, you know, the therapist sitting in the corner, taking notes. How do you feel about that? what was your upbringing like? You know, don't ask me about myself. This is about you. Like, I'm not going to swear, God forbid. Like that is still someone that has a spot in the world, but there are also people who will not respond to that. And I am the person for them and that's okay. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things in our culture as it is now and how things have evolved is we have this deep seated fear of, doing or saying the wrong thing, essentially being quote unquote canceled. And it created a culture of people who are afraid to be authentically themselves and connect with people genuinely because if saying the wrong thing happens, they fear complete persecution. And because of that, it makes people put up major walls and it creates divisiveness. It creates hate. uh, It creates self-criticism through the roof. And I think, think that realistically what we need to do is allow people the right to choose this isn't a matter of saying you're right or you're wrong in any capacity I don't care what you believe in as long as you allow other people to believe in something too don't tell other people what works for them or what shouldn't work for them or what does as long as we can respect each other's right to choose and everyone has a seat at the table and everyone is allowed to live their lives the way they feel most happy doing just let each other do that and move on. But regardless of what your beliefs are or what works for you or what doesn't work for you, we've become moral police officers of telling people, oh, you've made one mistake, you're a terrible person, and then no one ever wants to feel authentic again. There's a fear of being authentic. and I'm fear kind of being of judged, of just, judged
0: or persecuted. Absolutely. Right. Yep. Because
1: God forbid we say or do the wrong thing and it will haunt us Forever.
0: Oof. Forever. That's so true. I'm just relating to so many things that you're talking about when we're, when we're going through this conversation and you're talking about just being authentic and those human pieces, right? Like it's, and I, I feel the fact that a person that would feel that they can't be authentic or be themselves or say what they truly actually think for fear of being judged, if -hmm. you will, that makes Mm -hmm. me really sad. That makes me really sad because that's one thing that, I kind of had what well, I think I'm probably in my twenties because I, I'm 44. So I'm mm-hmm. in that generation mm-hmm. that's, I did have a little bit of the, okay, no, we don't talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> And yeah, then, you know, like when I
1: battle generation,
0: it, exactly. And then when I got to my 35 kind of range, when I started really finding who I was and I was like, Oh my goodness, like authenticity is so important to me. Mm-hmm. And when I went that route and I just woke up every day went out there and was a good human, Hmm. that was the best feelings that I've ever had in my entire life, Like living by my truth, regardless of what people thought. And it Mm -hmm. took me in a direction that was way better than the direction that I had been going and way easier. Like I found like I hit less walls and I made the connections with the people that I should have been connecting with. Hmm. And the ones that weren't kind of on board with how I felt or how I lived kind of fell off and that was okay. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. That makes me think, you know, one of the things that I work on with all of my clients, because I think when I say, you know, I don't care what your problem is. I don't see people because of their problem. I see people because of their personality. Um, It's, you know, if you are truly connected to you, what you want, who you are, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, personalities that drive well, situations that don't then you will be a lot more likely to put yourself in positions that are healthy for you and not be, you know, nervous to express your needs and be unapologetic in who you are. Once we know for sure that we're right in something, we are a lot more likely to be vocal about it. And I think that one of the major things that, people come to me with no matter the core issue is they don't know the last time that they really ask themselves what their core values are in life and what they want in life yep. or if they're living in alignment with their values or if they feel like they're on autopilot and I think part of that authenticity is how do you be authentic if you haven't asked yourself who you actually are Yes, and we have to go to the very their basics and start there, because once you truly have a firm understanding of who you are, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and what you want, now we can actually start making changes to get more in alignment with that, and I think for a lot of people, you can go 40, 50, 60 years and never truly ask that question, Mm -hmm. but it's never too
0: late. Absolutely not. I agree 100%. Like I said, I'm 44, and I just did it probably like seven or eight years ago. And it wasn't Uh. because I didn't want to, it was just because I had values and beliefs that were instilled in me when I was young in childhood. And, um, it just was what it was. Right. But the world has changed so much. And then we had this, you know, this big thing that happened and it's changed our world three years and Mm. uh, so much, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think I really think, this is what I've seen in our society anyways, and maybe you've seen this too and you can back me up on this, but because yeah. of us being isolated for so long and being kind of in our own little bubbles, it mm. I feel like it it turned something in that world, right? Like people are coming mm. out and they're more authentic and they're like, holy cow, like it's time to make a big change, right? And I've really seen that yes. even when I'm talking with people.
1: Yes, so much. Yes, I actually... In some ways, I think I'm one of the only people, actually, I shouldn't say that. I think that there are a large population of people who actually are grateful for all things that happened in the last few years, because I think it was a rude awakening of what was and wasn't working for people, yes. and it was a forced reality check of, oh my gosh, like, you don't have any control over what the future holds, realistically, we can't control what the world looks like. Um do not. Um, And when forced to take a step back, even from just day-to-day routine or mundane tasks, you had a second to just really analyze what was going on in your life. And I am beyond grateful for that experience because, A, I was very lucky to own a virtual-run business, so I was safe in that sense. But, B, I had a front-row seat to working with people, hundreds of people, who were asking themselves what am I doing <laughs> what am I doing yep. I'm not happy I don't think I like my job in fact I think I hate it I feel like I'm not fulfilling my life purpose I remember being 18 years old and having a dream for what I wanted and I put it on the back burner to get a job to pay bills. and now I'm 35 and I don't know what happened in the last decade I want to restart my life and Actually, funny enough, something interesting that ended up happening is my cousin that I talked about earlier, my family member who owned a business uh, that had guided me in my business. We actually started partnering and doing small business coaching because I was seeing so many clients who wanted to start businesses to start living a life of purpose and change and She had all the expertise and knowledge around actually doing it. And I could coach them from the mental health perspective of like, what is your purpose? What do you want? What's getting in the way of you starting this? And we actually really started helping primarily female run startups get on the ground and running because it became such a prevalent conversation over the last two years. Yep. Yep. It was just insane. It blew up.
0: It, it really did. Right. Because I think uh, th- there's a lot of factors I think that go into it, but a lot of us who, and you don't have to have children for this to happen, but I know I, I'm a mom. And when mm. I was out of, because I've always been kind of, I've always been an employee to some degree. And then I've always had my business on the side and then all of, you know, COVID happened. I don't even want to say that word, but sometimes I'm going to have to. <laughs> I know, so I like, apologize. Ah. Um, (laughs) I just hate it. It makes me cringe, but, (laughs) um, I I was forced back into my home, which was absolutely fine, but I found a better balance and a better routine with Mm. my life balance. Right. And I'm like, Holy cow. I didn't even realize that I didn't have the work life balance that I wanted until Mm. I was forced into that. And then when I kind of came out to the other side of that, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to keep it this way because my yes. kids, my kids are doing well. I'm doing well. Everybody's happy. There seems to be a better flow and my work-life balance came right to almost mm. the perfect part. And I'm like, Holy cow. It just oh, was crazy. So deeply.
1: <laughs> so deeply. I think it's interesting because like that exact principle, like I, before I started kindred roots, like the, therapy business itself i was still working for ahs and i was working in a hospital and you know the c word started if you will and a year in i hit like math burnout rate because we were just way overworking way understaffed and really the punching bag for a lot of people's overall burnout Absolutely. which i completely can appreciate but i just had nothing left to give and i knew i needed an exit strategy kindred roots was not at all busy enough for me to um you know lean on that completely but i was lucky to just open my eyes to other opportunities that allowed me to go and find another social work position that i could work from home in and people thought i was freaking crazy like they were like how like what are you doing giving up a permanent government position with stable pension and guaranteed hours and i was like because the thought of doing this for the next 50 years makes me want to stab my eyes out with a fork. That's why. Like, I don't care if I'm going to get a pension at 65. I don't even know if I'm going to make it to 65. I don't okay. even know if I'm going to make it to next week. Like, I can't do this. Yeah. I'm out. And, you know, as I was leaving, people were like, I got every judgment under the sun. for I bet. leaving. I bet you did. And, you know, a year later, I was getting calls from people. How'd you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you do it? <laughs> I just, I just decided I didn't want to be miserable for the sake of a future self. I wanted my current self to be happy. That was, yes. that was it. I just made a decision for me today, not me tomorrow. And in that, like coming home and working from home, there's just so much that we take for granted about like, you know, Oh, I'd have a client. I do a little work. Oh, got to go rotate my laundry and like flip a load of laundry and then come back here and like, Oh, got to let my dog go out. go let them out. Oh, got to get some lunch, cook up some lunch, come back to work, whatever. And like, it didn't feel like you're working eight hours and then coming home and having to work another four to just catch up on tasks.
0: Oh, hallelujah.
1: Just, right. All yes. in one. Yes. And I was like, I will never go back to being told where I have to be. And when I have to be there for eight, nine hours a day, it's not happening. And
0: and that, I my friends, time. is a Shiro. I just want to point oh, that out.
1: Thank you. And I feel like this is something I'm like I want to shout it from the rooftops. I'm like, you can have a balance. <laughs> like, you don't have to do this anymore. Um, because I'm like, I feel like it's one of those things that I'm like, you just need a taste of it, and you'll know. You just need a taste of it, and it, it, you'll never go back. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a matter of you have to work from home forever either. I think like one of the most interesting things is when. My husband and I relocated to Okotok. I started offering face-to-face therapy, but I do it on a per-day basis. I decide what day I want to go into the, you know, an office setting and see people face-to-face. And I feel like putting on real pants and, you know, actually. Real pants? Everybody
0: that's listening is laughing at that because we know that sometimes we don't even wear pants.
1: (laughs) I've like had days and this is going to be like, I hope that someone releases this and like this woman is disgusting. I've like literally had like days where I'm like, I woke up in my PJ pants and I just put on a different shirt and I kept on my PJ pants. And then after I was done working on zoom, I just put back on my PJ shirt and all of a sudden I'm like, I've been wearing the exact same pair of pants for like 48 hours. Like really we Like stop this. Like, but I'm like, that is my ideal situation. Like this is where I thrive. I want to just, be this I work a lot better in this absolutely
0: and I mean who cares really if you're if you're delivering the service that you're supposed to deliver and you're living authentically like who cares that's my that's my take on it and I do it too right like there's days where I'll choose to do my zoom meetings and those are the days that I actually do my hair and then there's days where I get up and I'm like oh my goodness my toddler woke me up at three so hair's, (laughs) hair's going in a messy bun and I don't care that's the oh, end of totally. that.
1: It's one of the big things I actually say to clients when they like come to see me. I'm like, I need you to understand that, yes, you're looking at my website where I was like perfectly curated in like a professional outfit. My hair and makeup is done and I like look all professional, but you're going to sign on to a virtual meeting with me for the first day and my hair is probably on top of my head. I'm probably wearing a hoodie. I'm probably like still drinking a coffee and you're going to ask me, like, are you alive? Like, are you good? Um, but I actually kind of like want you to show up the same way. Cause to me, I'm like, I want you to be in your comfiest state. And if your comfiest state is fully done up, then you do you yeah. like if your comfiest state is rolling out of bed and signing off this computer, you don't have to impress me that for me, man. I'm probably looking the same way. <laughs> and you know, honestly I had, I got some real criticism in my line of work from, you know, counterparts. I won't call them colleagues. Let's call them counterparts That's fair. who really criticized my style of this and told me that I am just like point blank, the most unprofessional person. And I am not fulfilling my professional duties. And if people are paying me for my time, the least I could do is show up more professionally. And I just vastly disagree with that because I see people for human issues. I don't see people to look at your finances or to tell you how you're supposed to present in Like I see people for what's going on on the inside and I want people to know that that's what I care about. Yes. You. I'll be me. And again, if that doesn't work for you, there is still a huge amount of therapists out there that will give you a more "quote unquote" professional appearance,
0: right, on the outside. I'm gonna, I'm gonna delve into that a little bit because I've, I've experienced that myself. And first of all, I'm Mm. sorry that your counterparts were giving me, giving (laughs) you such a hard time about that. But here's the thing: like you choose to work with who you want to work with, especially like when yeah. you're an entrepreneur, when you're an employee, you don't have a choice, but when you're an entrepreneur, oh, you yeah. can choose. So there is businesses and entrepreneurs and people out there that choose to work with that higher end of clientele, if you will. I don't know if I should call it higher. End.
1: Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying. You're right. Like
0: the ones that wear the dress pants and the blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. it's, it's all good. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But my thing is going back to the onth- authenticity piece I, I'm going to be who I'm going to be, regardless of what client I'm talking to. And I don't want to present to that client that I'm somebody else, if you will, even if it comes to clothing, yeah. appearance, et cetera. Like I, I have my very own, very authentic style. I, I am 44, but I still wear skulls. That's who I am. And I wear hoodies and whatever. And I'm not going to show up to a meeting with a client wearing something that I would never ever. Where in my entire life again it just makes no sense to me to do that so okay I'm not for everybody and I'm actually okay with that but the people that I am for choose to work with me regardless of what I look like when I show up to that to that meeting I mean of course I'm going to shower and you know do the basic hygiene things (laughs) right like I'm not going to come in there looking like a slob but I right. am going to be who I am and that to me is 100% that has to happen each and every day or I just don't feel good.
1: Well, talk about burnout and just pretending yes. to be someone that you're not exactly. every single day. It's, it's like you, we can't do that. And in some ways, I mean, realistically, you want to talk more about, you know, putting on the face that you think people want to see. It's borderline manipulative because we're fawning, we're showing people what we think they want to see and not giving them the opportunity to actually accept us for who we are and you know you're absolutely right when you said like the biggest difference between being an employee and an entrepreneur is you get to decide who you work with and people get to decide if they work with you and it's a choice and i want people to choose because it feels right for them not because they feel obliged to And I am going to be way more invigorated by conversations that feel authentic and deeply connected than I am if I'm sitting in a room trying to put on a face for an hour and then feeling like someone, you know, ends the conversation. And I'm like, whoo, like, got to take this off. Like, I'm going, like, I don't want that. I want my whole day to feel like me. And, you know, I, I think that one of the things I often say to myself, say to my clients, say to anyone starting a business is. You know, you can be the juiciest peach in the world, and there's always going to be someone out there that doesn't like peaches. <laughs> Juicy peach, like, like it. <laughs> it's just like you can't, you're not going to please everyone.
0: Oh, that, you know, I think impossible. we've said that in every episode that I've spoken to Shiro about that you're not <laughs> going to be able to please it. everyone, and you just have to be okay with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's why there is a market out there. That's why there are hundreds and hundreds of businesses to work with because there's a piece of pie for everybody and they will choose and you will choose who you want to work with and who they want to work Uh with. And you just have to be okay with that. There's really nothing wrong with it. And I can tell you from experience that choosing those authentic experiences and those authentic clients that make you feel like you guys align is much, much better.
1: Oh, it's heaven.
0: Right? I agree 100% easy and yet you might lose a sale or two but there's another sale out there waiting for you
1: yes I think that's a big one that I always try to like say to people when you know they're looking at starting other businesses private practices primarily because I get a lot of people that reach out to me and say how did you do this like explain to me how you did this and you know there's so many people out there and whatever there's no shortage of work there is no shortage of clients there's no shortage of sales there I I will not compete with you because I believe we all can win. Like I want to be your biggest cheerleader as you're getting started because reality is this is everyone needs someone that they feel connected to and I'm not going to connect with everyone and I want to encourage other people who have a skill set that they believe they can make a difference with sell make a life out of to believe that there are clients there for you specifically that want you specifically that want your style specifically and you know, even if every single person on earth started a business, we would all still have clients because we all need help in different areas from different people. Exactly. And it's like, there's just, there's just no shortage. And, you know, I'm sure that this comes up all the time, but there's just such a massive sense of imposter syndrome in feeling like you're worthy of starting something or feeling like you're worthy of selling something that is yours. And, and, because we are from a society that tells us that we can't be, you know, too cocky or confident and like, God forbid, we be anything but humble. We believe that, you know, Oh, if I think I have a business to sell, that would mean that I have to be confident enough to believe that I have something that people don't have, which means that I then have to own a personality characteristic that is seen as, you know, unfavorable. And so I'm just going to shy away from it because it's an uncomfortable thing to own. Right, It's just so unfair. It
0: really is. Yeah, it really is. And that's interesting that you say that because I've worked with a couple of clients quite recently, actually, that are so incredibly talented. And I, I met them just through networking. It wasn't anything to do with business, but I would start to talk to them about, like, what what do you actually do? Because that's naturally where the conversation goes when you're with entrepreneurs. But what oh, yeah. what do you do? What's And I, I met this one person who, a woman. Okay, woman, female carpenter Hmm. with Ah! almost 20 years under her belt. And and silent clapping, love this. Was not in her own, and I'm like, what the heck are you doing? Why do you not have your own business? And she's like, "Seriously? well, I'm not really good at the, and I said, can you do the things? Like you can build the things and do the things, right? And she's like, oh yeah, I I got that 100%. And I'm like, oh my word. Dole out your admin. Don't let that stop you. I I mean, no. I will give you some hours of free admin because you will be very successful if you just give it a shot. And off she went. Oh, yeah. And I'm like,
1: yeah, you know, look at you going. <laughs> I was going to say, she's probably booming now. It's
0: absolutely, 100%. The busy season is coming up again, right? So, And oh, yeah. this is second year, so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, the first year was incredibly successful. And I met her at a place where she didn't even think that that was possible. Mm. And all it took was me saying, what are you doing? Or what are you not doing? Really? Why are you not doing that?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, I I think it's, it's fascinating. Like I was talking to just like a, you know, therapy client yesterday, not even specifically about business. And. We were talking about, you know, a very common early conversation I have with new clients, which is like that feeling of unfulfillment, lack of purpose, feeling like you're not living in alignment with your values, wanting more. Um, And a lot of the time it comes down to work, which is not surprising. We spend like 80% of our day doing it. And, you know, I'm like, what skill sets do you have? What do you feel like you have to offer the world? Like, I'm just starting to like brainstorm and work for work. She started it out by saying, I don't want this to sound cocky and I, I know that I should be more humble but I feel like I deserve more than I'm getting at my employer and I she just went to talking. I said no 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 pause I said how is I want to first start with why you had to preface that with I don't want to be cocky and I want to be humble I'm sorry for being confident <laughs> you're like what the heck like <laughs> absolutely not That is should be the most unapologetic comment you make I believe I deserve more than what I'm getting at my current employment, opportunity, career, whatever. That is an unapologetic statement. Yes. If you have any semblance of belief that you deserve more, you deserve more. That's the end of it. And And there's
0: nothing wrong with saying that. That doesn't mean that you're not humble, right? No,
1: not at all. I don't understand
0: where that connection happened. That, you know, if you're confident, that means you're cocky because that I don't agree with 100%. No. And you can be confident and still be humble. Mm -hmm. Why can't you do both?
1: I honestly think that in a lot of ways, like we've become a society that throws around the word narcissist like it's candy. And I think that we see people that have narcissistic traits without a shadow of a doubt. I'm Mm -hmm. sure we all know at least one person. And we, I think hear people talk about narcissistic traits so often that we're afraid to be labeled as a narcissist. And it's such a under on like, overused and under understood diagnosis <laughs> to believe that wanting something more from your life or believing that you deserve more would make you a narcissist. It, that's not it. That's not it at all. And I think we are so afraid of the judgment of if I want more then I believe I'm better than everyone else. Why can't you say I deserve more, but so does everybody else. And I hope that everybody else finds that moment of spark of, you know, motivation, joy, Inspiration, whatever it is, so that everyone can do this. Like, that is human. That's normal. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And I think that we come from a long, you know, this is definitely a generational issue as well. And I often talk about this with specifically like millennials, let's say, where you go back two generations, we're looking at our grandparents and grandparents raised um, post Second World War. Great Depression era, want everything, can't have anything. You have to be grateful for every opportunity. You have to be grateful for every little thing you have. Don't expect too much. Money is unattainable. And those people grow up to have their own kids, which become, you know, the parent generation of millennials. And that generation is told that the ideal measurement of what a successful life is, is you go to school, you graduate, you get a job, you stay in that job, you get promotions in that job, you stay loyal to that employer, you retire, you get your pension, you have stable income, and that's what success is, is stability and sticking things out because taking a risk is dangerous. And then shows up millennial generation who's like being raised by that, but in a world where the now younger generation underneath, Gen Z, is very much entrepreneurial and I don't want to live my life the way that everyone else lives their life. I don't want to be a social sheep. I don't want to have to go to school for eight years to make a certain amount of money. If I can learn to make that amount of money in a year doing something that I know I'm good at, like, and we're watching a culture flip, but we are straddling an understanding of what it means to be successful and smart versus what it means to understand our potential and take risks. Mm. And it leaves people feeling very uncomfortable because it's not in alignment with what, you know, for the last three, four generations has been the measurement of smart decision-making.
0: Yeah. So and what they've been taught by. Exactly. People that brought them It's up. going
1: directly against our nurture. Yeah. Directly against it. But it doesn't mean that you are wrong. And, I'm sure in your business with the things that you do as well, like one of the things the best advice I ever got is like, you don't have to be supported by everyone around you. You just need to know who your cheerleaders are. You need at least one.
0: Absolutely. Just Uh, one. Yeah. Find your tribe. That's my motto. I think I've said that also in every episode that I've spoken with (laughs) somebody about find your tribe, right? Like I'm, It took a long time for me to get there. It took a long time for me to a not care what people thought. And that was a big one Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. And B be okay with not being liked by everybody and not Mm. being supported by everybody. Because you know, sometimes it's like, oh, it's a little bit crushing, right? And whatever. Oh, somebody like But now when I got through my 30s and my 40s, like it and it's actually quite empowering and freeing, to be honest, when you can just, okay. That's great. I'm not for everybody. That's your opinion. And I'm just going to go on over here and keep doing the things that I do that make me money. And you can keep yeah. over there with your thought. And you're clearly not somebody that I need in my tribe. And that's cool. Walk away. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Right? I don't. It took me a really long time to be okay with that, though. Yeah. So I don't oh, know. And I think it's-
1: no and i think one of the things that people have to be understanding of is it's okay that you i don't want to call it regressing because that insinuates that you have lost your growth but we have moments where we fall back into a feeling of shame fear guilt we really own people's criticisms and it's normal to still react the way that we thought we had grown out of um you know when i got the criticism from you know, a counterpart who said to me, like, you are being unprofessional. It was from someone that I had been interviewing to see if they would help supervise me to do some more professional development. And so I ended that phone call and I just broke down. I was in tears. It was so, so defeating. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, am I terrible? Like, have I been wrong this whole time? And luckily I was at home with my husband who happens to be one of my cheerleaders who was like, listen to what you're saying right now. Like this is exactly why you stand for what you stand for. And he encouraged me to book another meeting with a different possible supervisor and have a different conversation. And he said, you need to prove to yourself that one person's opinion, it does not speak for the masses. This is one person's opinion. Oh, and, man. You got yourself a good one there. Oh, Dang. I trained real well. I I mean you, say. Did. you know, <laughs> like they don't a, really come out a of a the keeper. box that
0: way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? No, I wish. I wish. Unfortunately. I mean, that's a whole other episode. I'm it really is. Yourself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, You know, but. i I did i booked another meeting and i luckily talked to someone who could get me in the same day and i talked to her and she was like um how did you find me because i feel like you're just describing me and my practice and yeah i don't really believe in following traditional therapy either and like yeah i want to show up authentically and i left that conversation being like hell yeah like i'm fine and it just goes to show that like If you surround yourself with the wrong people, your self-doubt will be the loudest voice. If you surround yourself with the right people, you will believe in yourself enough to just keep doing what you believe to be right for you. And it's so hard because we can't control what other people are going to say to us, but we can control how much access we give them to our emotional well-being.
0: Absolutely. That's a tough one, too. Man, is that ever a tough one
1: the hardest it is especially when it's a parent right you got a parent you got a partner we got people that we can't just be like don't ever talk to me again (laughs) like those ones are hard to swallow um hence comes um the beauty of working in therapy on boundary setting and um learning how to you know, resolve conflict and being very comfortable with what is and isn't true for you. But that's why I will never be short business.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. You will not. That's 100% true. I, like I said, I looked at everything that you do and then we've had a couple of conversations and I'm just like, wow. Like,
1: oh uh, Yeah, my business is called Kindred Roots Life Transition Counseling. I really just go by Kindred Roots Counseling. And the whole philosophy of my practice is that we are relatable therapist that actually feel a connection with our clients. Um, We represent a new wave approach to therapy, which includes building real relationships, free of outdated thoughts of a therapist, should be this, should be that, and we strive to break down any of the barriers between building actual authentic connections with our clients so that we can help them make meaningful changes in their life. Um, The entire philosophy of our brand is that we do therapy because we want to connect with people, we do not really care what issue it is that you're facing or what it is that you're bringing to the table we understand that you want people who are highly educated or have experience we come with that but we also recognize that those are the least interesting parts of what attracts you to a therapist so you are actually going to get to know myself and i have two other therapists under my business now nicole mullen and claire mcmillan nicole is in south calgary claire is in vancouver we all offer virtual therapy. So between the three of us, we can support people virtually and make access a lot easier um nicole actually covers folks that live in alberta and ontario claire covers people that live in alberta and bc and i only cover alberta uh the biggest difference with me too is being in okotoke i do offer face-to-face um as well so most of my stuff's virtual but i am able to meet people on a face-to-face basis and all of us specialize technically in different areas i would say The biggest thing is I really try to help people target people-pleasing tendencies, uh, ridiculous self-criticism, tackling very unhealthy relationship and family cycles that are toxic so that you can reset your life the way that you want to live it. And I think the biggest thing is I just want to put people back in the driver's seat of their own lives, feeling like they have control of their happiness, their total trajectories, and feeling completely and unapologetically supported to be everything that you are free of shame and judgment so i really am trying to redefine what traditional therapy looks like and make it more accessible for everyone from any walk of life
0: oh that was awesome that was really, <laughs> like, you. did you write that down? Rereading it off something or is that just, <laughs> nope. you just pulled that out of the air? Fantastic.
1: Right out of it. Yeah.
0: And that I want to say my fellow community sheroes is a true shero. Like she is breaking through the barriers. She's doing things the way that she sees authentically and what's going to work for the world. So thank you so much for bringing that to our community because we need it and everybody needs it really. So thank you. And thank Thank you for taking the time to speak with us and sharing your journey. We really appreciate it. And uh, I
1: will.